On September 8, 1863, in the seaside area of Sandy Cove, Nova Scotia, eight-year-old George Albright discovered something on the seashore that he would likely never forget. He did not discover a unique shell or the washed-up remains of some sea creature, though what he did find evoked a profound sense of pity. There on the shore he found a lone man, abandoned, and left with nothing but a jug of water and bread. To make the matter stranger, the man's legs had been surgically removed, and he couldn't speak any of the local languages to explain who he was or what had befallen him. What do we do with the legless sailor? Take a look at his story through a different looking glass. Hello again, my friends. This is Iago McGinnis, your host and speculator for today. This will be the second installment of this podcast, and I hope that it flows a little bit better this time around. I'm still trying to get my sea legs, as it were, as to podcasting. Okay, so that might have been in poor taste. Let's get to the story. If you're not familiar with the story of Jerome of Sandy Cove, then don't be surprised. It's not a story that many would necessarily know, much like the legend of a certain dark lord of the Sith. Plagueis. It's a Canadian account that, when I came across it, felt so strange. But, you know, the story's not sinister. Okay, well, maybe. I'll get there. The story we know. He was found by an eight-year-old boy named George Albright and brought to the Albright home in the village of Digby Neck to be nursed back to health. Both of Jerome's legs had been amputated just above the knees, evidently by someone skilled in surgical know-how. The stumps of his legs were only partially healed and still bandaged when he was found. He was also suffering from cold and exposure. Jerome is described as being in his mid-twenties, odd waistcoat or vest that had a strange pattern on it. It was also noted that the man's hands were too soft for him to be a manual laborer, and he was described as being Mediterranean in appearance. Within hours, the word had spread of the strange and injured visitor, and people from all over made their way to see him. And so they visited him on his sickbed because, yes, let's go and bother the amputee. Through these interactions, it was discovered that he seemingly could not understand French, Italian, or Spanish. They even tried to throw in Latin in there, and it was a no-go. The only thing he muttered and growled was a word that sounded like Jerome, hence why he came to be called Jerome. He apparently shunned the attention of these curious onlookers, growling like a dog at unwanted guests. And it's not like that kind of behavior isn't warranted. I mean, if you had just lost your legs and the hospital let anyone from the area come in to ask you what had happened in a foreign language you didn't speak, you would likely growl just like Jerome. So then, early in his time with the community, he would growl at people trying to ask him questions. He would remain aloof or simply just smile sadly. After moving around the community a bit, the locals were unsure what to do with Jerome, but they did not want to abandon him, and good on you for that because, let's face it, just abandoning an amputee is pretty much a jerk move. So Jerome finally found a somewhat permanent home at the home of Jean and Juliette Nicola, 
which he would reside for another seven years, with a $2 a week stipend being given to the family for upkeep of Jerome. Now, later on, Jerome moved to the Camo house. And I think I'm pronouncing that name correctly, so forgive me because I don't speak French. The Camo family opted to use Jerome as a bit of a side hustle for extra income and charge an admission to those who wished to visit the Sandy Cove vagrant. It is noted that Jerome did not seem to be put out or distressed by the idea of charging admission, and he remained living in the Camo family home until his death in 1912. So there is the cliff note version. A very sad tale of a man left for dead in a Canadian bay. And really, the man's demeanor and condition could be blamed on a handful of reasons. Some theorize that the reason he couldn't speak was due to brain injury. Some said that he had given up on life and was thus despondent. Eyewitnesses said he seemed disinterested in things and people around him, and that he was illiterate. Many had even speculated that he was suffering from some sort of mental illness as well. But there are some really interesting details that you can find if you dig around enough that smacks of Jerome's tale not adding up. So real quick, let's take a look at a few additional details on this story. First, Jerome did in fact speak, though very rarely. When suddenly asked where he came from, in one instance, he replied Trieste, which was a place under Austrian rule. He then went into a rage and stayed a pouty mess for days. He was also reported to say words like Colombo, possibly a ship, or the word chains when a child inquired about how he had lost his legs. And there are even reports that in one instance, Jerome broke out into perfect English. It was surmised from his foreign appearance and from his expression when French was spoken in his presence that he probably was French. Jerome was taken to Metigen, where a home was made for him at the aforementioned house of Jean Nicola, a Corsican who spoke several European languages. From his complexion and mannerisms, it was thought that he was either French or Italian. And after speaking to him in these languages, Nicola was convinced that Jerome knew and understood both of them. It was also reported that he would hold books or magazines and papers upside down, pretending that he could not read. But when he thought he was unobserved, became completely absorbed in reading them. And he read with equal ease English, French, Italian, and supposedly two or three other foreign languages. Still to muddy the water was the story of a mysterious visit made to Jerome by two women. After many years, it was supposedly witnessed by a local that two strange women were just coming out of the Camo house. He went in, and the Camo family, very excited due to the visit, told how the women had just come to see Jerome and had taken him into another room, after which they had a long conversation in which Jerome had supposedly taken a full and fluent part in. The Camo family had made efforts to eavesdrop on the exchange and had heard all that was being said, but unfortunately, it was in some foreign language, which they could not understand, and the mystery was still murky, just like it had been from the start. Okay, well, maybe actually it was more murky. Let's get into some theories. There are some that claim that Jerome may have been some sort of pirate or sailor. Still others said that he was a spy for a European government, 
and that is why he chose not to speak after the incident with his legs. But still, another theory is where this tale takes an interesting direction. So there's a local historian of the area, and he reported in his book that on the other side of the Bay of Fundy, in Chipman, New Brunswick, in 1859, now this is just a few years before Jerome's appearance, a young foreigner who may have been a stowaway on a vessel was driven ashore, and it was reported that he may have fallen through river ice or a pond. He suffered gangrene in both legs due to the accident, and they had to be amputated by a local doctor. Here, he became known as Gamby. Probably because upon awakening, he called out in Italian, Gamba, which is the word for leg. Gabby proved to be a bit of a burden for the people of Chipman, and it was rumored that a passing schooner captain had been paid to transport him away. The captain could possibly just have sailed to the other side of the bay to Nova Scotia, where he became the problem of the Sandy Cove folk. So many believe the two men, Gamby and Jerome, were in fact the same individual. But what if they weren't? Let's take a look through a different looking glass. Let's set the narrative. A stowaway from Italy is driven ashore after being discovered. It's March and the weather is cold. He falls through the ice of a pond and manages to limp his way to a sawmill where he sneaks in and sleeps for the night. Upon waking, he discovers a horrible pain in his legs. They are frozen. He is discovered and taken to the nearby doctor, only to realize that his legs are beyond saving. They amputate. He exclaims, Gamba, the word for leg in his language. The locals take care of him, but he quickly becomes a burden to them. A passing ship is asked to take the men away, and they agree. Now the ship captain doesn't mind taking the man away, but some of his crew dislikes Gamby and starts harassing the legless man. Unable to speak the language of the crew, Gamby became angry and fought back against the bullying. This attracts the attention of a young traveling nobleman also seeking passage on the ship. The man tries to intervene and manages a good defense in behalf of poor Gamby. But the crew, angry at the interference, damages the young man's legs in retribution, possibly from the use of chains which would have been on the ship. He blacks out from the pain. The crew of the ship then tosses the young man overboard near the shore of Chipman. He is picked up by fishermen and the same skilled local doctor amputates his legs in a similar manner to Gamby just a few years prior. It is so familiar and the doctor remembers that they had just tried to relieve themselves of the man Gamby due to the burden that it put on the people. He thus pays another few men to take this poor man and leave him on the other side of the bay. The man sits up after the men leave him on the shore. His legs still hurt badly. He felt confused and dazed. He saw the crashing waves and felt utter despair. He began crawling towards the water. Just then a boy came running up to him. He couldn't understand him. Moments later, men arrived. He could not understand them either. Should he be able to? He couldn't remember. 
He could remember the poor legless fellow being mistreated on the ship. He looked down at his legs. They were gone, just like the other man's. He remembered that man, shouting in Italian. But now everything was foggy. His mind wasn't right. He was so confused. He partially recognized someone asking his name, or at least that's what he thought. He tried to speak it, but it came out wrong. Jerome. And perhaps this is a bit of a stretch. But there was a significant gap of time between Gamby's amputation and Jerome's freshly done surgery, and no one knows what happened to either men in truth. So the easy assumption is that the two men were the same, and possibly that is the truth. But when we think of the old phrase, crazier things have happened, taking a look at the lives of two strangers who both had a chance encounter on a ship together and suffered similar injuries and tragedy, begs the question, is it really that far-fetched? Jerome of Sandy Cove, altruistic victim of Barbary? The answer is lost to time and in the memories of Jerome himself. This has been Iago McGinnis, my friends, bidding you farewell and ponder on.